0: Touchstone Pictures presents Tom Selleck, Steve Guttenberg, Ted Danson. Three incredibly eligible men about to receive one incredible surprise. That's a baby.
1: It's a baby.
0: Of course it's a baby. Three dedicated bachelors discovering the joy Please, not on the silk sheets! of raising one little girl.
1: We haven't been able to work or to
2: sleep and there's been oh. all over this place for
0: days. Three men and a baby. I think we're in
2: big trouble. Now playing at a famous player's theater near you.
1: I'm glad we're doing because uh, yeah because not enough people are talking about this movie
2: no they're not and this has been on my wish list forever and it, it's one of those that like we're gonna get it in there somewhere we're gonna hit this movie it's gonna happen it's a big movie in my life I mean we're gonna w- get into would
1: you call this possibly uh, the avatar of 1987?
2: One thousand percent, yes. I mean, do you
1: understand? Do you understand my point there? Like,
2: but elaborate, elaborate.
1: Okay, well, so you know, nineteen eighty-seven. What movie is the highest-grossing movie of that year? Three Men and a Baby, right? Mm -hmm. Who the fuck is talking about that movie ever
2: at all anymore?
1: Nobody. Nobody.
2: Where have all the fans? Where are the hardcore Three Men and a Baby fans? Yeah, right here. Here's this is us. We're the
1: group. We're the (laughs) fan. We're the fan club. But I mean, that's my point. Like, nobody's talking about Avatar. Like, Avatar is the highest grossing movie ever. Yeah. You know, and like it's it's done. And the only people that are talking about it are, you know, the people who keep saying that there's gonna be a part two, three, four, and five. Well, there is, yeah. But... Yeah. Oh, I know. I've worked yeah. with some of those guys yeah, there. I'm it's sure. it's gonna happen. It yeah. might happen in 2037, <laughs> but it's gonna <laughs> happen. You know, I'm sure when it comes out, everybody's going to be super jazzed to see it. But like, have you gone back to rewatch the first one? Yeah. Uh, my point is like, just public consciousness. You know, like it's not really something that right. It's not like is out there. Right. Similar right. to Three Men and a Baby. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I'm I'm just I'm so excited. I have a deep, deep love for this one. So, uh, so with that, welcome back to another episode of Reincarnation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins, and this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s and 90s. And this week, we're dialing the way back machine to the great year of 1987, of which I think we've spoken quite a bit about uh, this year. But there's still so much more to cover.
1: That's <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. Like this movie.
2: Like this one. Exactly. But, Let's uh, remind people exactly we're bringing it back we're bringing yeah. we're bringing this back to the forefront and we've had a very exciting year so far we started it with with a very newman new year and a look back at paul newman and some of his his uh, great works from his career we looked at the hustler we looked at the color of money and the hudsucker proxy and and the great thing about that is that there's again still so much more to cover so much more newman to to go through. We've only gone through, I think, five Newman films. So uh, this is this is going to be this is going to be fantastic. But we're switching gears here as uh, we move into discussion about another actor who has is making his debut today. Who's excited? Welcome to the show, Steve Gutenberg.
1: Hi, I'm Steve Gutenberg I've had a, a really wonderful career and some movies that luckily have become iconic and stay around for 30, 50, maybe a hundred years. That's yeah. awesome. I'm yeah. super excited that Steve Gutenberg is finally making the show. It's about damn time.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, there's so many movies that fall into our wheelhouse here and we just haven't hit them, but here we go. It's a, this is going to be a Guten classic.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it's, isn't it a Ted Danson, but no, he was in private Ryan. Is that right? Ted Danson uh, was, in was in private, private Ryan. Ryan. That's You're right. correct. Yeah. So, so, second appearance by Mr. Ted Danson. I will first say first
1: appearance by Tom Selleck.
2: Yeah, it's it's first debut for <laughs> yeah. Selleck, but and uh, Selleck's like
0: the lead character of this movie. Know, so, really. like, like let's not like make this all about. No <laughs> offense to Gutenberg, but it's 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 a it's a trio, you know. Yeah, it's, it's stacked. A, it's a stacked trio, especially stacked. for 1987. I mean, yeah. these guys were these are the biggest names and in, in just in general. I mean, had,
1: definitely how, coming from television. I mean, Gutenberg was. Had several hits uh, with the Police Academy franchise, and and then Cocoon, right? And Short but... Circuit, and Short like, Circuit. They, they yeah. had
2: done four Police Academy movies by this point.
1: Yeah. yeah so would would you? So it's Gutenberg. So like of the trio, because obviously Ted Danson and Tom Selleck were huge television mm-hmm. stars, but they hadn't really had too much of a history in film. I don't know if, I mean, Danson had some. Film work, obviously, he was in Creepshow. Not much, yeah, not yeah, much. Yeah, but I mean, so. small parts here and there. Tom Selleck had done; he'd kind of made his way from from, uh, you know, my uh, Magnum PI yeah. to. I mean, I know he had done Runaway right before this.
2: Yeah, yeah, he'd done but Runaway. Was, he'd done Lassiter, which is a movie I just saw. Um, you know, he so he'd
1: been he'd made the attempt. Yeah, but, but Gutenberg was the big film star. Yeah. For Gooden- this movie, Gutenberg. maybe not maybe not the biggest num- name, but still the biggest film star in this in uh, when this movie came out, right? Yeah, if you look or at the this billing,
2: movie. it goes Selleck, Gutenberg, Danson. Yeah. So you know that shows that is sort of the order as far as movies go. Yeah, Mag- uh, sorry, Magnum. Uh, Selleck <laughs> hadn't hadn't really had that huge hit movie, you know, with him as the lead, but. He had had a great success all through the '80s and was like one of the top TV stars. So that had enough street cred to give him top billing. Gutenberg was was definitely the movie star of the three, with no real—I mean, a little bit, but not much—TV experience. So, and then Danson sort of bringing up the rear there.
1: Yeah, who was also insanely popular. I mean, Cheers yeah. was the the most popular sitcom on television for yeah. For a significant significant amount of time. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: you've got the you've got the top like action drama TV star and the top com like sitcom comedy star. Yeah. like in one movie, like that's incredible. Yeah, this is a
2: recipe for success right here. Yeah, I mean you
0: couldn't, you couldn't have an unknown in, as one of these guys, right? Like you, th- this this works. I mean, you could have an unknown; they'd have to be extremely charming and just kicking it, like just knocking it out of the park, but. To have these guys to 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 lead to, to headline, I mean, it's it, what a what an idea. Whoever whoever fashioned this, it's just right. genius.
2: Well, the, the the recipe clearly is: you take Magnum PI, you take Sam Malone, <laughs> you take Carrie Mahoney, you put them all in a pot, you mix it up, and the person mixing it is Spock. So yeah, you, you just, yeah. I mean, Leonard you got Nimoy, all bases covered.
1: Yes. It's pretty brilliant. It I mean, it's a it's a can't miss recipe. Yeah. But but hey, hold on. Before we've gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves, right? I think, I think, uh, like we were saying, you know, it was a hugely popular movie uh, in 1987, but nobody really talks about it. So, what what is it even about? What I mean, let's David
2: give us the give us the the 30 second plot rundown. What 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 happens in Three Men and a Baby?
0: A uh, bunch of. Uh... New York, uh, yuppie jerks uh, <laughs> who are extremely successful and wealthy, uh, live together, live a bachelor lifestyle, um, conquests uh, abound for, with women. And, uh, but then they have to contend with a, a, the one woman, the one girl they never saw coming, which is a, a baby left at their doorstep, which, uh, ensued a bunch of hijinks about men taking care of babies and uh, with a a really odd action side plot that sort of uh, gives us gives them excuse for something else to do and then uh, you know it's really just men men taking being domestic uh, and what what that is comedically (laughs) that's really like it's a very loose very silly kind of not hard to 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 duplicate, kind of recipe. I don't know. With very... some tugs at the heartstrings, just sure. a little bit, just in yeah. the right be, places. Yeah. There's sentimentality in there, but it's like, it's, it, 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 like, it lacks sort of like the strength of male friendship and, or, you know, uh, it's very, it's kind of, it's sexist and chauvinist in, the, in some way, in a, f- a few ways, but mm-hmm. not so oh, overt. But, but it is, it is sort of trying to upend like the, you know, the uh, male expectations, right? Like, yeah, oh, they don't know what they're doing, but they actually learn and then learn to love it and get good at it. Um, whereas it's like, you know, men don't do housework. Men don't take care of babies. And like, that's sort of the world they're coming from. And then it, it, they turn out, then it's, but it turns into like a little love fest by the end. So it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Similar, similar to the, uh, the mural of at the, at the entrance of their apartment which is a caricature of them like they're quite the caricature of kind of the womanizing uh male persona uh right and then and then you know with the introduction of mary who's the baby kind of by surprise uh they they do we think they evolve do they grow do they learn anything sure
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Nothing, nothing about how like treat women, but but all, but more right. about themselves and their actual sensitivity and care for you know another another human being, <laughs> and and a female at that. I mean, it doesn't you know it doesn't really matter, but you know it's just, um, yeah, I would think that's the thing. This movie's lacking a certain kind of some information that could actually like really make this a really robust and interesting film. Um, that's, that's not the point of the movie. So, you know, you can't you can't fault them for making a movie they didn't make, right? <laughs> or for not right. making a movie they didn't make. But, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, there's
1: no there's no like great lesson learned. It's just it's just kind of a good time. But yeah, uh, but it, it does. It, I, I feel like throughout the course of the movie, it does kind of lessen kind of the severity of that really overtly womanizing opening. You know the Mm -hmm. beginning of the movie. I, I hadn't seen it. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about when we first saw it here in a sec. But we will. I hadn't. I hadn't seen it in years. Yeah. Years and years, decades even. And I had for. You know, you forget, or or you grow, you mature, you evolve, and and you go back and watch these things, and you see them again for the first time. It's so much after so much time passing. It's like whoa, that's. Kind of icky, like yeah. it's all re- really icky and gross, yeah. you know. Oh, and I mean, it yeah. sets up the movie and it's comedic and and funny. But like, if you really dissect it and think about it, like it's like, Ugh, I don't like these dudes at all. They're not well, that opening
2: like- that was very that was very normalized for that time period. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember I remember vividly, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, you know, seeing it and thinking like, uh, you know, not thinking twice about what they were saying and how they were acting in that opening scene. Like, Oh yeah, this is just, this is just how guys are, you know, this is yeah. how they behave.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely putting guys into a container that like, you know, essentially for the world of this movie, this is what all guys do. Right. So, but right. it is about these three men, these three men, I would never, you know, I have nothing in common with, um, but you know, they're not, it, it is, it is. And it's like, yeah, it's normalizing that. But part of it is, like, is there really anything wrong with that, too? Like, depicting it in film is one is one thing. Like, normalizing it, making it the protagonist this way. But in general, is someone living that lifestyle? Is there anything really wrong with that? I don't know. I don't think so, right? Because if... Well, there's you know, a difference between living you're...
2: that lifestyle and how they're sort of... How they treat women, you know? Yeah. There, there is a difference.
0: Sure. Yeah. I don't know They doesn't the, I, they don't seem to be treating women all that poorly other than like the one woman who like smacks to dance and i'm sure right. he, he's you know kind well of, but, the, but all the I women mean, seem to be fine knowing that right everyone's this, just sleeping together it's like it's it's post 70s pre well, panic like just everyone but that also ha- is a product sleeping of- together
1: of of its eighties, right? Like its yeah. 80sness Hundred percent. You know, like I, if you if you did that scene today, it would be done completely different. Like you could still allude to the same kind yeah. of lifestyle, but it wouldn't be so like overtly. Like I mean, they're just you know, I mean, they're living they're living the bachelor life. Yeah. The yeah. the uh, caricatured uh, perception of what the eighties bachelor life was, right? So.
0: Yeah. Oh like that's the thing. Like the 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 artwork on the walls is is like these these guys are cartoons, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it sets it
1: up perfectly. Like, I mean it 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 tells you exactly what what it is. Like
0: yeah. And typically in our media and our shows and our films, like all like men who live these lives, they really the moral of all of their stories is that while it might be glamorized while they're doing it and all that, they're all missing something. Like Mm -hmm. Sam Malone learns learns that his life was not isn't complete like it's not complete until he has a he wants a son by the end of the c- series and it's not what the show is about but he's, right. a, he's a womanizing kind of you know, Lothario throughout the whole series and it's played mm-hmm. as a joke and it's played as his ego and you know Dan Fielding on Night Court very much a sexual kind of predator kind of guy yeah. <laughs> but he's basically considered a, like a scumbag the whole time uh, you know yeah. it's I, you know, so like none of the, but all these guys are always played as heroes because there's always some virtue in about conquering women, you know, having conquests of women. So there's all, there's glamorization and like, you know, glory put onto these men, but ultimately they're all, you know, they're all failures in life, but, but they, boy, they, they bask in their, their glory. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what's so weird about these kind of '80s characters that do all that. Like, we all know they're kind of scummy, but isn't it kind of cool? Like, let's show you this. <laughs> but
2: they're still cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. still
1: so cool. You know. Yeah. I mean, there's a at the beginning of the the, the beginning of the movie in uh, the in the party the birthday party scene, like Tom Selleck, like there's a mm-hmm. scene where it's like, you know, this girl is hitting on him, and he's like, oh yeah, because he's in a relationship, right? Or along, like, kind of he's got a steady girl, and, right?
2: Margaret and, Colin.
1: Yeah, and so this other lady hits on him. Is like, oh, are you in? I forget the character's name. I think it's Rebecca, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you t- together? He's like, I, oh, yeah, but you know, we're kind of open and whatnot. And then a guy asks if they're still together. He's like, oh yeah, we're we're together. We're serious. <laughs> yeah, we're serious. You know, <laughs> it's just like ah, uh, it's you know, it's all funny and it plays well in the movie and it plays well towards towards the thing. But I mean, it's it's just all this stuff like it's like just kind of piled on and piled on at the, at the beginning of the movie uh, to show their bachelor uh, to really uh, shine a light on their bachelor lifestyle.
2: Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a whole tone with this movie. This just very, this is to me, this is one of those movies that is a definition of the eighties. It's got such even though there's some dark things that they're kind of touching on and dancing around, it's all portrayed on such a light, fluffy, kind of happy level. You know, it's, it's, uh, so, you know, fluff is a use, is a word we use often around here when we talk about 80s movies. And this is one of the key ones to me, but that's part of why I love it so much is that yeah. I'm okay with that. Like, you know, the way these are portrayed in this universe is, definitely not like well it's not like reality now it may have been uh also kind of reality in the 80s but um i don't know there's just there's sort of a a charm to these movies but what about what when so let's circle back well i want i want to put a pin in that party for just a second and i want to come back to that because there's some other things that uh popped in definitely watching it this time but when was the first time you guys saw the movie? Uh, David, what was it? Uh, did you see this in the theaters or was this a VHS home video rental?
0: I feel like my f- folks would have taken me to this with my brother. I, I have a feeling this would be like, oh, a family movie. And my parents were, yeah, you know, I would be seven. They'd still be sort of baby crazy, you know? Like, so I think that, I think this probably was, some, I feel like I had seen it in the theater, but I couldn't tell you if that's true. But it feels very yeah feels in that zone yeah so i'd seen it and then i'm i remember have sort of seeing it on HBO or cable in the years since and then i probably actually haven't seen it in i don't know 25 years like 30 years i mean i don't know yeah it's been a long time
2: exactly because because it has this is a movie that's sort of disappeared in a lot of ways i mean it's sitting there on disney plus so it's streamable it's accessible But it's not one that gets referenced, talked about, doesn't get talked about in other shows, you know, shows like Community and and Parks and Rec and The Office and those kind of things. Like, there's no reference ever. There's never a reference to this movie. It just kind of like sort there's of not, just disappeared.
0: There's no real cultural touchstone to it. Like, you right. can't like there's no real good way to parody it. There's no major like. Interesting thing that stands out design wise that you would be like, you know, it's not really ripe for parody because it's just sort of this kind of blah thing. <laughs> like, it's it's mostly inoffensive in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. is in terms of just being this kind of s- silly comedy with some heart. But it's like there's not a lot of meat on the bone, you know, for, for yeah, for, yeah. For, for that. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to like find. A, yeah, you're right. It's just not really referenced or talked about. But uh, well, Brent, what
2: about you? When
1: did uh, you see in the theater? Uh, yeah, I would have seen this one in the theater. I can't recall exactly. Um, but I'm similar to David. I'm pretty sure this is one that we went to as a family. It would have definitely been in the wheelhouse, you know, like like we've been talking about. Um, you know, I mean, I was more of a Knight Rider kid, but just based on when Magnum P.I. released versus Knight Rider, but... I knew who Tom Selleck was, mm-hmm. obviously my parents were into Magnum PI, you know, as a TV show. And, <clears throat> you know, we watched cheers religiously in our house, like every, every week it was on, we watched it. And then when it went into syndication, we watched it every night, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we watched cheers constantly. Uh, and then, you know, I think I've talked before on the podcast about police Academy, but police Academy is a, one of the, very early R rated movies that I saw with my dad, which obviously in retrospect is like, Whoa. you know, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but, oh, yeah. like, but Steve Gutenberg, you know, between the police Academy movies, which I was a big fan of growing up, but, and short circuit, as you mentioned earlier and, and some of the other stuff, like he was, he was a big presence in movies that I was watching. So like for this movie to come out and have all three of those guys in it, uh, you know, it was a pretty big, movie for Mm -hmm. for me in 87 to to see as a as a you know a a nine-year-old or whatever like i would have i we definitely would have been checking that out so um and then you know i i just i kind of always remember it being something like even when it went to home video like seeing it even more times like i think we had it on repeat and then i don't know if i was the person that started the rumor that there was a ghost in, in the one scene with with the kid or or not I think sure it was like, you sure feels like it was me but if not I was <laughs> definitely there when uh, at the early onset of that of that uh, urban legend going around man because you know I uh, I pointed it out to must have been a hundred different friends of mine when when they'd come over and we'd watch the movie and this was the time before like the internet and stuff you know so it's like wait it was. Oh yeah, the internet didn't always exist, boys and girls. <laughs> it didn't. Oh my so, god. So so yeah. So it was a time before the internet. And this, I mean, like, you know, it was impossible to find out that it wasn't really a ghost. And I was I was a big fan of of kind of horror stories and ghost stories and stuff like that. So I started I ate it up even on that level. So I bet god. that's very you. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, it wasn't until junior high where we were like, Oh yeah, okay, it's just a Ted Zanson cutout, but I love perpetuating that rumor for as long as I could remember. For for it's those such many a weird,
0: years. it's such a weird tall, Like what? Uh, like of all things, a ghost. Like a, Wait, don't like don't you know? Don't you know the story, Dave? Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. And then like, but a, like who would buy into this? There's a ghost on film. Like what are you talking about? Like it, you, you can see the thing, but like. It's a ghost. <laughs> like, yes. It doesn't make any sense. Like, not all of us had
1: it as figured out as you did. doesn't so, so silly. Like,
0: <laughs> David was injecting logic all the way just back. Been like, oh, there's a person like sort of in there. There's up do you not watch, yeah. do you
1: not watch YouTube videos? They catch ghosts on, they touch, they catch presences on, on, on video all the time. Come yeah. on.
2: Haven't you seen it's a documentary such... called hey, the it's exorcist? A,
1: it's a haunting quick image. If, 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 just what think about it. <laughs> have you gone back and looked at it it's very yeah. easy to find it's within like, like the it's when, like, it, it's when right, it pans right it's when like it, right at the first hour like pretty much like when ted danson's mom comes into the into the apartment and they're walking around but
0: doctor around and they're standing in front of the bed and then when they pan back it's off to the side there right? yeah man without 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 it's like a figure, it looks like there's a part like it's cut kind of a lot yeah. like a shape of a person, but the, I wouldn't ever a haunting, think that's a haunting
1: a figure. Yes, absolutely, you're right. But that's how ghost stories start, man. It's like yeah. awkward things in the dark lurking behind things. No Sunny clear day,
0: it doesn't have a terrifying visage. Listen, man, <laughs> if
1: you had heard the story about the kid who auditioned for the part and then didn't get it and got hit by a car right outside the audition and haunted the set. You'd know that that kid was there behind that curtain waiting, looking to tape. get on camera. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Because um, if,
2: if I'm a ghost and I want to haunt people, it's definitely going to be the set of three men and a baby. that I'm, That's going to be my that's, target.
1: That's right.
0: That's right. <laughs> what kid was auditioned? There's no kids in the movie. Steve, no, You're asking Steve. too many questions. These, a- are, these are
1: questions you don't ask in elementary school man like you just go with it you go yeah absolutely like, you're 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 responding as a as a 30 something year old
0: man i would have said that as a, a seven-year-old boy i think
1: i understand
0: how, how
2: many how many millions of dollars did this movie rake in based on that rumor
1: <laughs> <laughs> on home video a, lo- a lot of video lots, rentals yeah lots. a lot of videotapes
2: let's yeah. go to the yeah. videotape
1: it was a whole second life after yeah. after the initial release. Yeah, yeah,
2: because that I I I remember that coming out in like I feel like it was like the early nineties or maybe even as late as when the second movie came out, which we'll talk about later. I feel like it was around there. It wasn't like I honest, when it yeah, I honestly came out. feel
1: like yeah, I honestly feel like it came about because of people re-watching the first one before they saw the second. Right, right, right. And they were it, like, wait a second, what's that strange image back there? And pause. Then, and Oz, then the VHS.
0: And it's a VHS tape on a CRTV monitor, and yeah. it, it, you basically your imagination. It, it's like looking at a cloud. Absolutely, like, oh, it's, it just looks, it like a it's just <laughs> letting your imagination run wild. It's just letting
1: your imagination run wild. Yeah, you know.
0: Well, so like it was the, fun. Sure. Go. I just the, just a ghost. Like that's what gets me. It's like I could. I almost yeah. could have bought the the Wizard of Oz. The crew member hangs himself at the at the, yeah. the far end of that. Well, because it's also and, kind of a and weird it, and, shape. When it was like hey look at this someone's hanging themselves they're gonna hang themselves and you look and it does look like a swinging yes it's it like oh it's supposed to be like a turkey or something like it's a clearly a bird or some sort You're of talking like- about wizard of Oz. yeah yeah, yeah. so it's certainly like i was prompted like someone was like yeah no someone hangs themselves in the end of the scene i kept it in like okay show me and i kind of get it i'm like oh that yeah. kind of looks like that but that's not that <laughs> Like, like, it's it just... but, you,
1: but that's the beauty of the imagination right like you can let your imagination go yeah, yeah, any yeah. direction you allow it so yeah you know for a kid who is big into ghost stories and yeah, big yeah. into things like that like dude i'm eating it up i'm like yeah that's awesome you know that's like cool. holy cow super cool we but,
2: should have a side cast of brent's rumor mill Oh, and it's all it's gonna turn into like extra soon
1: (laughs) yeah uh it would be great i'd listen
2: yeah um
1: i would i would be the i'd be the only one but i'd produce
2: it but (laughs) um
1: so yeah i saw this movie a lot as a kid don't recall the exact uh first time but it certainly would have been at the theater with the family mm -hmm. without without a doubt I, uh, I, this, this movie is,
2: we've talked about it before on this show, my grandma collection. So that was a series of movies that I saw either in the theater or at home with uh, my grandmother, RIP. And we just like, you know, we were very close and she would take me to see sometimes movies. Maybe you shouldn't take a little kid to see, like we would see super violent things like Rambo three we saw um your grandma uh, rules Steve. delta force 2 avenging force which we've covered here you can check out in the archives at www.reconciliation.com uh but also you know some family fare we saw like father like son we saw benji the hunted uh godfather 3 that's a family film um, and three men and a baby is sort of i don't know to me that's like that's like the number one entry in the grandma collection. Mm-hmm. I remember it so vividly going to the Whitestone cinema, getting my sweet tarts and just loving like every minute of this movie. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good, good, good memories. And, and uh, I, I saw it in the theater and I, I loved it. Like I, I actually didn't see it that often. I never bought it on home video for whatever reason, but uh, it always held a special place in my heart. And Uh, I just like that 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 apartment. Like I wanted to live in that apartment. Like I thought these guys lived like the coolest life. Yeah,
1: that apartment was awesome. It had a pool room, like a pool, like a billiards room. Yeah, Yeah. it had some kind of sports room with all all the basketball games on videotape. All the all the three (laughs) and three. Way too small TVs to have three TVs for in a r- I was yeah that that room was like what is this what is
2: this universe that they live in like how like how enormous that's got to be a penthouse apartment yeah although it wasn't supposed to be right was it
0: no it is, it's, it, the, it is. the elevator yeah. goes to the it peak. is okay all right yeah so that makes I mean sense, they're
1: so. all three they're all three uh, successful young well youngish well kind late of 30s, late
0: thirties late thirties well well to, like, mid to late thirties.
1: It's so, funny, like I think so. Tom Selleck real age is like 40 when or 42. Ted Danson is 40, and Steve Gutenberg's 29.
0: Oh. So like
1: there's there's a bit of an age gap between between Gut and and the rest of the guys, yeah. but I think they're all supposed to be in that kind of like mid thirties range. Yes. Gut yeah. plays old. He plays old. Yeah. He I was does. shocked to find out he was 29 when he made this movie. Yeah, I was like, really? I'm
2: shocked to hear it right now.
1: He's he's gotta be 35. No, he was 29. But so. Selick
2: was his character, uh Peter is a successful architect, right? Right. So yeah. okay, I buy it. He's got a lot of money. Okay, he can live in yep. that penthouse. Uh Steve Gutenberg's character is a successful cartoon artist, right? Yeah, is he that created the- a comic
0: strip. Yeah, comic strip, comic that, strip. that clearly yeah. has like a, a national like, right following. So he's right. Rich off that merchandising. Right. Like a Heathcliff type.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. So he's, all right, I buy it. Okay. They live there. Ted Danson, his character, Jack, seems like he's an out of work, or not an out of work actor, but definitely an actor who, a, more of a struggling actor, that, that, you know, a day player kind of actor, a commercial actor. They're not going to be pulling in massive amounts of money. So, I don't don't know know. how commercial Commercial actors actors got
1: paid back in the day, man. But like, I know that you can make you can make a pretty good living as a commercial actor these days, just based off royalties. Whether whether yeah, royalties and whether or not it's like a national commercial or not. And it sounds like yeah, it sounds like in the in the show, like he had done several several commercials. So like, he's he's obviously consistently had work and several enough to where okay. So he's getting theater. Theater gigs, right? Like it sounds like he's got this dream opportunity to do mm-hmm. theater, but he has this film that's being filmed out of the country In Turkey, at the same time. Yeah. So so he sounds like a pretty regularly acting or regularly Yeah, working but this is like actor. a
2: millionaire's apartment. Like this well, is well, uh... if you
1: take three bachelors that are all relatively successful, you know, I mean, I mean, the architect. Tom Selleck's character seems highly successful. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah. no, I mean, he's building Skyrise Skies buildings papers. Yeah, in New York. whatever city. Is this New York? Well, be New York?
2: It's supposed to be New York.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's he's obviously s- successful. So, and it sounds like he's telling, I mean, there's a line in there even that he says, you know, I'll cover your rent so you can do, to Ted Danson so that you yeah. can do the play instead of, because it does sound like Ted Danson is kind of like living paycheck to paycheck, you know, right. like, or living gig to gig. Yeah. And so that's why he's got to take the gig in, in wherever he's going. Right. But we don't,
2: I, we never really find out the backstory of how these guys became friends, why they're living together. No, it doesn't yeah, really matter, but yeah. uh, you know, may, maybe, maybe there should be a prequel set in 1979 maybe maybe david you should write that it's called three men
1: yeah three <laughs> men
2: three men and an apartment there
1: was it was called Three amigos <laughs> oh an zing there
2: you go there we go, there you go. um i remember too that when we were in college back in santa fe just thinking about various uh you know f- groups of our various trios in our in our group of friends of what would happen <laughs> if like we were roommates and and a baby was dropped off like How what would we do? How would we uh,
1: how would we cope with that?
2: Yeah, that was I
1: even I even had a house at one time that was so not it was not necessarily like this penthouse, but it was all the same shenanigans shenanigans. Yeah, except there were four of us. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah,
2: that that fourth roommate, I'm not sure how that would have gone with a baby in the house.
1: Well, who are we considering the fourth roommate? Is it Mr. J- Jake Patton or Mr. Nope. Poe Miller?
2: That one, yeah.
1: Poe, I, I mean, Poe was great. He was oftentimes the inspiration between all, all the shenanigans that <laughs> happened in the house.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I always, I always thought about what would, what would that be like, and then, you know, the most, most of us are all fathers now, so we've, we've kind of learned in, in a different way. But
1: yeah, I'd say, no matter. Uh, they they probably handled it much better than than younger people would have. They uh, yeah. at least were set up enough to be able to afford to get all the stuff they needed sure. immediately. To, they would they, to they knew care. they
2: needed food and diapers and yeah. you know the basics. so
0: yeah, exactly. Um, why but, didn't she leave any supplies behind like what like she was taking care of a baby like why Oh you yeah we shouldn't
1: get, we shouldn't we shouldn't get too far just down annoyed the like
0: rabbit hole makes a big deal of a bassinet like a, or whatever you the basket that she's in it's not even a it <laughs> yeah. did you know what it like that did that always bothered me it bothered me
2: so much that how could how could she just drop this baby off Without a person, not even handing the baby to a person, just leaving, leaving
0: her there. What if they're all on well, vacation? It's, right. Well,
1: it's it's interesting. It's interesting that you bring that up because this is based off a French movie called. Uh, well, the the English translation is Three Men and a Cradle. Right, and in 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 the American version, Three Men and a Baby, like they gear it so that you know the baby. Tom Selleck finds the baby when he's coming back from jogging. So you can make the, the connection that okay, so maybe he's only gone for an hour. You know, like right. they left the baby there. Sure. For she left the baby there, and maybe right after he went to go jogging, he. how did she know that? For an hour, sure, 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 absolutely. You can ask that question. I think she uh, was
0: she was spying on them, making sure they were home. Yeah, she, she did maybe. all this work, all this legwork. She showed up at the party the night before, yeah. no one no one noticed her.
1: In the French version, the guys wake up in the morning and find the baby on their doorstep and it's like that baby could have been sitting there all night, like it could yeah. have been hours like sitting on the doorstep, you know. So that's like a conscious decision that they made when they made this movie is to change it so that the baby was there when he got back from jogging so that didn't seem like the baby had been there for too much time. Uh, compared to like the French version where it was God knows how long.
0: I use a tape from the diaper. I'll tape it up. I'm an architect for Christ's sakes. I build 50 story skyscrapers. I assemble cities of the future. I can certainly
1: put together a goddamn diaper. Take it easy, kid. All right?
2: Point. right. Let, let's talk about the French film for a minute. So it was made, I, you know, I'm terrible at pronunciation. So we're just going to call it three men in a cradle. Like, yeah, that's why, I, that's why, that's yeah. why I didn't
1: even try it. So <laughs> sorry. Uh, especially For French. Our French
2: listeners. Not, not, not good here, but uh, it, w- it was released, I think, two years prior to this one. So this, yep. this remake got put into development very quickly after that film came out, but there is basically the same things happen in that film, but there is some stylistic differences. There's a tone difference. There's, you know, they struggle a lot more. It's a little bit more serious once the baby comes into the picture. Um, They have to deal with their jobs and not going to their jobs rather than bringing the baby. It doesn't have that like super kind of happy undertone where they finally figure it out and they're having a great time with the baby. Like they're just exhausted and tired and sort of, you know, once, once the mother comes back in the picture and takes the baby away, they just kind of stay depressed and don't really come out of it. And then they reunite and it's like not really a big happy reunion. Like they just are kind of like, I don't know. They've kind of like lost their emotions by that point. Uh, they're the women in the film and their friends are in, in three men and a baby, like everybody loves the baby. Right. right. Every time yeah. they, they go out in those wonderful montages, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, They're
1: all, they're all like very welcoming in the baby. They all want to be supportive. Like, the lady, the, the the apartment manager's like, if you ever need any help, just let me know. Yeah. The police detective is like cooing at the baby, like everybody loves the baby. Yeah,
2: who but in the, the French baby? film, yeah who, yeah, who doesn't love a baby? The uh, the French film, they all all the friends are just turned off by it. Their girlfriends are you know don't want any part of it, so they like everybody sort of abandons them. Yeah, and it's it's a, just a little bit of a, a darker edge. And as far as the drug storyline goes it was kind of a surprise that they brought that storyline over into the three men, and the baby, but, but they did. And then definitely expounded on it in the French film, it's sort of, they like end up just helping move the drugs along to the, the, you know, the drug dealers and then just walk away. And there's no ter- kind of, there's no finalizing that storyline. Like that's it. They just kind of made it happen and then moved on.
1: Yeah, but I mean, this is America where it's all like Beverly Hills Cop and all your action, all your action movies are driven by, by, you know, the drug underworld and yada, yada. So they had to spice it up and make it a little bit more 80s action centric uh, by, by, you know, making it a little bit more dramatic, but overly unnecessary. Yeah. (laughs) Like like that whole storyline is, is not needed. Uh, you know, and, and is kind of just, you know, a little random in the whole, in the whole storytelling, but it's, it's very much a sidebar.
2: It feels yeah, like, like sure. a, like a, like a sort of a one-off episode of a TV show that, that doesn't, you know, really in the grand scheme doesn't really matter, but you know, it was an excuse to bring in sort of some excitement and action kind of storyline, bring some, some additional tension and give these guys a, a heroic kind of uh quality. So, you know, we're so used to seeing Magnum running around with a gun around Hawaii and action scenes there and even yeah. in the police academy movies you get your action scenes with uh with Mr. Gutenberg. Not a lot of action on Cheers. Nope. Am I right, David? Not much. Did I miss those episodes with the shootouts and the in the bar? <laughs>
0: Not a lot of guns and cheers.
2: Yeah. Oh, let me ask if you guys had to pick, pick one thing off the top of your head. Cheers, Magnum Police Academy. David, go. Cheers. Brent. Cheers. Magnum. All right. Okay. That's that's where that's that's way, the way we all lean. Just checking.
1: Yeah. yeah, as I mentioned before, I'm I was more a night rider kid, but but Magnum's badass.
0: Magnum, sorry.
2: Right. I I love yeah. Magnum. I
1: I well, you know, we'll we'll
2: we'll talk about it when we get to the cast. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about the cast now. We're here. So, um, Tom Selleck is, you know, he had start, he had auditioned right for Raiders of the Lost Ark, almost had it, but was Ooh. had he was on season two, I think, of Magnum PI by this point. Um, Magnum PI was a spinoff of, I believe, the Rockford Files. Uh, or if it's not the Rockford Files, it's one of those 70s cop shows. But uh, he spins off and goes from 1979 to 1988, one of the top shows uh, on TV in the 80s. I liked Magnum as a kid. I always loved the theme song, loved the opening credits, but uh, didn't really watch the show until somewhere in the like mid-2000s. And I went through the whole thing, and I was a Magnum addict loved it loved this the serious episode there's some great great television in in the some of the serious storylines on magnum's episodes but uh yeah big fan of that what's the story with cheers where are we so 1987 is is like I think the second to last season for magnum where does this fall in the scope of cheers for Ted Danson it's
0: basically half the midway point of the 11 seasons I believe mm-hmm. what yeah. was it 82 season- to 93
2: was that the run for Cheers
0: yeah I believe that's right Some somewhere around that yeah so we're almost yeah we're almost at the mid, midway point I think Cheers so, was
2: one of those shows where, where like everyone was watching it right
0: yeah by that point you know it, yeah it, it, it's first season it wasn't much to write home about but then it kind of got a summer renewal and then the second season started blowing up and then it was just a hit for years after that so um kind of like how friends did like friends Mm -hmm. was like kind of a middling show and then it over the summer became huge and then became like just a main a staple of nbc and cheers Um, was able to uh
2: was able to survive some kind of dramatic cast changes throughout the way not everybody but you know there were certain uh certain people uh nicholas calessandro yeah i think that's his last name uh passed away right after uh, the one, one of the early seasons right maybe three or four
0: uh yeah i think after the third or during the third i want to say yeah um where he uh it's funny because like he was ill he was doing episodes and he was ill and then um then, then, like that last half of the season, he wasn't really in. But they still had a cold open that he was that they had filmed, and you see it later in the season. And then you just don't see him for the rest of the season. And then they, he, he dies in between the seasons, and they, they mention it. It was like they didn't really, they didn't really do a tribute to him or, or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. kind of this weird little, kind of thing. I'm not sure why, but yeah, it's uh you, you know they talk about that, how he had passed away. And then Woody Harrelson came in that, that yeah, it's, that yeah. Next season. It's
2: his passing that like really begins the career of Woody Harrelson. Yeah.
0: Right.
2: And it's so it's God watching old cheers episodes. Now it's so funny to see Woody just in that kind of role. He's, Oh yeah. He's, she's yeah. so different now and it feels like he's been around forever. And he is also one of those guys that doesn't age. No. <laughs>
0: But I, I'll always see Woody Harrelson as as Woody, like it, even in it's impossible does, not to. Yeah, like he's he will always be the farm boy yeah. <laughs> from Indiana. Yep. Like uh, I just adore I adore him in that role. Even like it's a, and like yeah, I can, but I don't. I I can enjoy whatever he does. So like when I saw White Men Can't Jump, like he was great in that, and like all the other stuff he does, he does post Cheers. It's like I can still enjoy it, but I, my brain's always gonna just connect the dot like all the time i think uh, of cheers at least at some point during watching a woody Harrelson performance mm-hmm. like during uh true detective or whatever yeah. like it was like like he's still woody <laughs> <laughs> in fact all of his That's characters funny.
2: are woody <laughs> yeah.
0: well when i was a little when i was a little kid i used to think that he was woody allen <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, Woody Allen, Like someone would mention Woody Allen, I'm like, he's on Cheers, right? Like I didn't even know what, you know, I guess I didn't even really know his name, ironically. That's uh, for funny. For a minute. But I remember that that confusion at one point.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and they survived, too, the, the changeover from Shelley Long to Kirstie Alley, which yep. was, that was big. I remember that being huge news on TV because she was, like, one of the top actresses on TV, and then she was bailing out of Cheers, and you know, it's just it's strange to see someone that high profile on a high profile show just walk away like that does happen. But but they survived and they went another, what, four or five seasons with Kirstie Alley, something like that. I think it's
0: six more. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think she, I think she was the bulk of the yeah. of this series. Yeah. yeah. She, Shelly went five years,
1: I believe. Um, here's a fun fact. Uh, Ted Danson, Tom Selleck. Uh, this is not the first time they appeared in something. Oh, what? Ted, yeah, Ted Danson was actually in an episode of Magnum PI. Hey, uh, back in 1981.
2: Oh boy, let's we're gonna have to uh, let's let's get an intern pulling that out of our 35 yeah. millimeter film print archives of television episodes, and uh, <laughs> we'll screen that.
1: Yeah, haven't seen it myself, so I don't know how big a role is, but uh, but yeah, Play I must have seen it.
2: Crane. I must have not put that together or something.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a recurring uh, character, so it must have just been a an episode specific arc. But
2: they must have hit it off and said, "One day we've got to do a movie about." <laughs> we just need a third. Spock person. would
1: direct us in a movie.
2: <laughs> um, let's talk about Mr. Gutenberg, who again is making his debut on Reconcination So it's interesting because looking at the scope of his career, this movie, which was. I want to say his biggest hit is really the beginning of the end for, for Mr. Gutenberg. He would never rise, or at least to this point, has not risen to this, this uh, point financially or, you know, pop culture wise. Again, you know, if you look at his career after that, it's just kind of uh, lesser, less, you know, lower profile movies then moving into TV, then kind of gone for a while. And now he's sort of starting to pop up again.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, he consistently worked from. So, like, let's see. So, like, three men and a little lady, which was also successful, Mm -hmm. was kind of his last box office, like, glory. But, yeah, he 94. He took off a big chunk of time, basically from like 91 until, until 94. I think he did three movies again in 94, but he was dealing with, I think he got a divorce in that time, something like in 91. So he did a movie in 1990. I forget the name of it, but um, you know, he did, he did get a divorce in that time. And I'm wondering if he just, you know, like he was super popular and he had yeah. been like really successful And it was kind of meteoric, you know, like he just kind of went from being this goofy dude on a police uh, kind of spoof movie to, um, you know, like he had a lot of hits, like kind of one after the other between Short Circuit, Cocoon and all those. I mean, and a a ton of misses, too. Like he wasn't all. Well,
2: but Um, most of them at this point were. I mean, he had basically seven pretty big hit movies in a span of about four years
1: yeah and I wonder if he just wanted to slow down a little bit because like he definitely didn't show up in anything for a big chunk of time until like three men and a a, was it three men and a little lady like that yeah that he came kind of yeah and then he you saw
2: him kind of through I remember Zeus and Roxanne came out in like ninety five or ninety six and then right after that is when he kind of starts to, big uh, green and and yeah,
1: like that the big green, I think was kind of his first movie back after he took his break. I just want to double check because I was looking at that earlier and just kind of trying to figure out the timing of it all because you know. Yeah. So he did three men and a little lady in 1990 and then kind of took a break until like 95, you know, is when he came back and did big green, but in 91, he, he separated in 92, he got a divorce, you know? And I just wonder if he just wanted a break, you know, but yeah, but when he did come back, the things that he came back with, obviously he had lost momentum and, you know, like he just was never able to kind of like pick it back up. But when you Mm -hmm. say something like, you know, he was never able to kind of rise to that, that fame again. Like, I mean, if you look at it, like Tom Selleck also like, kind of, you know, like had some gaps until he came back and friends and friends mm-hmm. like kind of brought him back to popularity and Ted Danson. I mean, I, he's always been more, I think the TV series guy, right? For sure. Like yeah. He yeah. Did I think Decker was, another one. Be- that he Becker. Videos. Yeah. Becker, Becker kind of gone
2: yeah. through the, it was like cheers and then Becker. And then, you know, there's been a couple of other shows, but then the good place, most the recently shout out
1: Will Harper. Yeah. Will, Will
2: Harper, our buddy.
1: Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, the good Place is is another one that absolutely, like he kind of, you know, like he didn't disappear, you know, like he just, it was quiet. It was like quiet time for him. And then, and then he hit uh, good place. And that was, Really successful, and he yeah. gained popularity now, again. Now he's on the know? mayor.
2: I think is uh, his that's right. Show. That's his
1: new. That's his new thing. Well, and the,
0: Gutenberg. The, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the funny thing. We we it doesn't really fall in our consciousness ever, but he did like six seasons or four seasons of. A CSI show, so like, oh, that's yeah. right. I like he was the lead. That. He was like the. That's lead right. If you're not watching
1: CSI, like, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> like, you're, no, you're absolutely right.
0: No offense to any of those actors on any of those CSI and CIs, all that. I could not tell you one no. like other than Mark Harmon and Dave Caruso. No, it's William like the law. It's like, and like William order. I'm like, like who are these people on these shows? I would never because I've never watched them. I mean, but, they're all entertaining. Like
1: if I ever find myself watching one, I'm like, oh. Like okay, the, I was not bored in that hour that I was watching that, but and, there's and the, so much of it. The, there's so many of them like that in Law and Order. I'm like, I can't keep any of that.
0: I I Wait. do, and I do recommend uh, Bored to Death, which was on HBO yes. with uh, with Zach Galifianakis and uh, what's our what's our what's our friend Jason friend, Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, great show. There. Brilliant show. Two seasons on HBO got canceled. Uh but he You that. know, he he dancing was great on that because it was a little little different than what you'd seen him. He played an eccentric kind of weirdo, but you know, it, it doesn't even make sense. He's friends yeah. with these guys. Ah, oh, what a fine. What a well, day. and but that's anyway. the thing.
1: I, f- I feel like they're all like I feel like all of them, even Gutenberg, was steadily working. Like Gutenberg, just he took a break because I I I'm assuming had
0: why work if you don't have to sometimes. Well, why yeah. work if pick you pick didn't your have pick to? your project? Maybe, you know, maybe
1: he's beat up about you know, like maybe he's hard. I don't know. You know, like I'm putting, I'm making stuff up, but you know, like just the timing of it well if it, with it happening around his divorce maybe he just takes takes some time he comes back he starts directing stuff you know but he's like constantly working and and then i i don't know for me like he kind of disappeared until he made his appearance in ballers which is what i was like where mm-hmm. i saw him again kind of for the first time but i know he had been doing stuff up until then it just wasn't like super popular stuff i was watching you know yeah um but now he, he like pops up. I think he's popping up in more like more work that I see him in mm-hmm. kind of more regularly. Well,
2: well, now they're all, you know, more seasoned, older, you know, distinguished looking uh, guys. Selleck is, you know, an, on another, yet another hit TV show with Blue Bloods and then Danson's yeah. still having great success. He's got like a reinvigorated career, late, you know, Later on in, in this stage of his career, and Gutenberg does. I follow him on Instagram and Twitter, and he does daily like inspirational, motivational uh, little, quick little snippets every day. So yeah, it's Love it's very good. cute. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're we're leaving out one very important piece of the puzzle here with uh, Mr. Leonard Nimoy, who was yeah. the really the creative force sort of driving and shaping this movie. And honestly, like letting, I I think part of what makes a great director uh, is that letting your actors like just be and, and letting them have their energy and not changing it, you know, letting these guys just kind of, we see some in some of the montages, them just kind of goofing around because they had that camaraderie and just like letting that happen and not over directing it and really making too much of these characters
1: who do you bring into that situation you've got (laughs) you've got a very very successful and popular film actor you've got like we mentioned the the two most popular tv actors in existence right now in their in their you know genres who do you bring in oh bring in spock (laughs) like
2: well, but but look at it from the perspective of 1987, that guy is coming off of yes, obviously Spock big, you know, always will be known as Spock.
1: Right, but he's he's got the experience of dealing with both like successful movie, yeah. successful TV, dealing with successful talent like lead talent ego. Like I mean, he's just like I think it's kind of brilliant.
2: Yeah, it is. And and creatively speaking, this is sort of the peak of his career because he really. Let's look at the Star Trek movies. I don't know if everyone here is a Star Trek fan. David, I'm pretty sure you are, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I, mean, I don't hate them.
2: <laughs> so Star Trek One, obviously, the show ends in. Okay, in the, I hate the, that one. Towards the you know end of the '60s, it gets a kind of finds new life on syndication in the in the '70s. A brief attempt is made to bring it back as a series again which quickly morphs into what became star trek the motion picture in 1979 yeah now that movie stand that movie very different tone
1: rest of the movies okay not the rest of the movies but that one is yeah very
2: different tone for that one and when they come around to kind of revamping it for star trek 2 Leonard Nimoy kind of steps in a little bit creatively and, and what, you know, bringing more to the, the, the other characters like Sulu and Chekhov and Scotty and Uhura and making them a bigger part of it and just kind of spreading the love a little bit more and just generally was involved with the writing process and changing the tone of those movies and make it hit more of a broader audience. We're talking Rathicon. Talking Rathacon. Yeah. Love Huge that one. hit. That that is what really that movie is what sparks everything after that. That's what gave life to next gen and and everything that came after. So uh, and then search th- for Spock, right? Which would be so he showed his creativity with Star Trek two, steps in the director's chair for Star Trek three, the search for Spock, and then Star Trek four, the voyage home, which if is a comedy, which is a comedy. Like when you look at four. You can absolutely see why they would have picked him to direct this movie. Yeah, because four yeah. is a fish out of water story. They go back in time, as Star Trek, you know, shows often do. Goes back in time. Where are you going to go? Nineteen eighty-six, San Francisco, of course. Exactly. Yeah, you got to find we George and whales. Gracie the whales. Yeah, the we need whales. whales. <laughs> uh, but it's a whole fish out of water story where they're all wandering around San Francisco. They kind of split up into pairs and. Just seeing them interact with with the the present day characters, it's hilarious. It, it's really legit funny. As a kid, it was my favorite Star Trek movie. It's the most successful Star Trek movie. It's, yeah. I believe, I'd have to double check that, but definitely Sense? Since... What's that? Well, maybe Even... not with the newer ones, but yeah, okay. You know, for a long time, that was like the number one movie. It's a huge hit. I think it's one of the top movies of '86. Yeah. So uh you know showing he had those comedic chops uh was was what really opened the door for this and I think he did a fantastic job here um you, you would not suspect it you wouldn't expect him to be able to like really nail suddenly he's doing 80s montages but
1: he does them great I don't even know if in 87 I mean was it- I don't think you know they didn't really promote directors as much as they do now, right? Like right. in '87, you know, I mean, maybe Spielberg, maybe sure. you there know, was a handful. There were, there were a handful. Coppola, but I don't, you know. I I seriously doubt anybody was like they didn't really like put a whole bunch of marketing behind Leonard Nimoy as the director for this movie. No, when I when when I was watching it, I and I until researching for for the podcast like i i don't know if i knew it and forgot it or i had no idea at all but i was like super jazzed to see his name as the director yeah. well, when i was they, watching the credits i was they like probably,
2: oh. they probably couldn't because they at the time you know he was always dealing with the i am spock i am not spock you know that mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. being typecast as spock and right and so i think they wanted to just keep it nice and separate and not you know, don't make people think of star Trek. Don't make people think of Spock and, and all of that. Just keep these things separate. Let him just direct the movie. He doesn't have to market it. He doesn't have to be a part of that. Let the guys market it. And yeah. And there you go. Um, yeah. So great job by Nimoy. And really, I know he did direct after this, but you know, this was, I think the last big feature that he would do, Mm. um, and and I, it seemed like by we got by the time we get to the '90s, he's already starting to kind of wind down his career a little. You know, wasn't making that many appearances, uh, but he would appear here and there. Um, great episode when he does join in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. I'll, uh, I think that's a two-part episode. Fantastic storyline. But anyway, uh, there's some other there's some other actors in this movie and some very sort of surprising faces that I caught watching this that I are essentially extras really but uh, right but uh we'll start with nancy travis the two two of the uh two of the lead women in the film nancy travis and margaret collin margaret collin uh that is returning to the show we last spoke about her on independence day so if you haven't oh. heard that episode check that out in the archives at who
0: who is she in id for?
2: She was uh, Jeff Goldblum's. Remember the total oh, package, Jeff Goldblum, his his ex-wife. Oh wow! We got to get the the package. We got to get the total package back on the show. It's been a yeah, bit for him too. It's been a minute. Yeah. Uh, so her storyline with Tom Selleck was interesting. That this kind of on and off kind of, I think it was the first time I remember seeing sort of an what an open relationship is. That they're just. They're seeing each other. They're not dating. And it does seem like at points, each of them does want more from the other. My microphone just fell (laughs) and caught it. Uh Oh, I think she did a doodle. Your turn to change her. I'll give you a thousand dollars. If you'll do it. It feels like, you know, at different points in the film that, each of them wants more from the other in their relationship. So, but at that moment it's like the other one can't give it.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you know, you're not you kinda, ready to commit.
2: Yeah, they're not ready to commit. It's like they are, but they aren't. So uh you know, it's a it's a plot line for for the Celic character to kind of have. And I think she has a good performance, but you know, not a lot of meat on her character there. Great actress and yeah. Uh, God, what was she in most recently? I feel like she was just in a show, and I blanked on it. But uh, she was in Veep, and she was uh, fantastic in that show. So if yeah, if, if those who haven't watched Veep, check it out. She's got a great uh, character in there.
0: She's in nine episodes of Veep throughout yep. the seven seasons. <laughs> she's
2: like a super hard edge, uh, sort of like the Today Show kind of talk show host. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. yeah, she's really good uh nancy travis who's a a tv veteran and a a great actress who was in so i married an axe Murder" is a personal favorite of mine i think this is the first time i we we saw her and i remember thinking for the longest time that that i thought she was brit i thought she was british right yeah (laughs) yep but um she is not she's from new york So let's talk about the Sylvia character, not a, a, you know, really doesn't come in the picture. She's sort of a presence that is felt, but not a character we actually see till the last quarter of the movie. Really? Right. How do you feel about her? I I, like, I I never was able to fathom, you know, how, okay. Granted this coming from the mind of a seven, eight year old seeing this, like I couldn't understand how a mother could just, abandon her baby like that and then later just show up and have it be like okay i'm ready to pick mary up you know
0: right yeah she kind of committed a crime i think by dropping the baby off yeah i think
1: yeah <laughs> like, it's um, it's a it's another one of those very uh 80s sweep it under the rug kind of let's not focus too much on it situations but yeah i mean yeah. if you if you do put it under a microscope, it's a bit appalling.
0: Yeah. um, The whole, the whole, the whole deal. And like the, the day she wants to fly back to London, she comes to collect the kid. Like that's, that's where the baby's going to be. And and what's she heartbreaking.
2: Like, what was it? Was she, she just couldn't cope with the baby. Right.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, she sort of explains like it was just, she was just too, it was too overwhelming to try to be a working actress in New York and care for a child. And then, she had no help and it actually made me feel really sad because it's like it's hard it's it it's like speaks to what the demands of you know sort of living in this 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 capitalistic society of america where it's just like well you're not going to get any help from anywhere if you if you know you're sort of you you've made this choice to have this baby and now there's nothing anyone can do to help you and if you want to have a life and be a parent you're kind of you you know yeah, but they have a whole montage in the movie where like all the guys are taking
1: the baby to work and everybody's like yeah, ooing and awing. I mean, even Ted Danson well,
0: takes the baby too because guys to can cause guys don't take rehearsal. care of babies. So like, huh, this is kind of okay. He's taking care of the <laughs> yeah. kid. Like it's permissible. Yeah. Whereas, like, if a woman brought a baby into the workplace, it's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be a mom at home, kind of thing. And uh, yeah. I mean it's it's very flimsy. I'm not saying it's justified, but it's uh you know everyone gets overwhelmed, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: I mean it seems in line with you know it's kind of this kind of I don't know, I don't know if it's anti feminism or not, but it's you know like similar to Mr. Mom and, and yeah, these other movies that that show men doing out of norm uh mm-hmm. you know Uncle Buck is another one, you know yeah. like right. kind of parenting, where you know it's. Historically, kind of a female, uh, female-oriented deal, you know. Yeah.
2: Like, well, it, yeah, it's 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 not. I wouldn't say it's anti-feminism, yeah. but it's definitely a sort of reaction to it. Right. You know, it's written by a man, directed by a man, about men, starring men. You know, <laughs> it's. Right. Uh,
1: so like it's, Hollywood needed any more of that, but you know, I mean, it's like kind right. of weird that 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 is kind of a driving factor behind behind all this i mean like
0: i mean and men can do it their own way right men can have it all although it was three of them right like again if it was yeah i think i think the point is it was hard enough for them to do it but like so it's under they they understand why like it would be hard for a single mom in new york city um Parenting's That's,
1: no joke, man. It it is hard. Hardest it, job on the planet.
0: It's yeah, relentless. You, you, two are, it's, you two are parents, and I'm ooh. just like, oh shit, yeah.
2: Like, well, and I mean, and and obviously, like my other half had it much, 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 much harder than I did. I got to get up and go to work and was out of the house most of the day. So you know, she's on her own and having to deal with it. And it's it's hard. It's it's extremely hard. And, yeah, and hardest. Job kudos to all the moms out there who, uh, who do a great job and oh, sacrifice so much to, to give to their families.
1: Man. I yeah. think about those like single mom, like single working moms. And I'm like, I don't even how in the world. Yeah. that Even, I mean, they're absolute beasts. You know? Yeah. Like they are superhuman,
2: but here in, in the film. So the French film takes a, a, a closer look at like the, the hardships of raising, you know, of, of handling a baby but the this film is like it's hard for a little while and then they figure it out <laughs> like, oh they find it, and then it is good times and fun they're you know playing catch with the bottle and it's like just some the montages are so entertaining there that um, you kind of look past the reality of it it's like oh you're just on board with them like, yeah this isn't real life this is just now they're on easy street with this this movie got loves
1: it. montages there's a yep. lot of montages in this, movie.
2: and the, you know what they're amazing and i love i'm a sucker for an 80s montage and this is i think three really really great ones so you get your you get your your bad boy uh with uh, gloria estefan and miami sound machine just yep i mean amazing band there but um with that opening sort of sequence that we see them in their pre, uh, their, li- their lives pre-Mary. Pre-Baby. And, and then we get the montage of once they sort of figure it out and they're taking Mary to work and they're just they're at the park and, and, and wherever they go, all the women are kind of fawning all over the baby. And then uh, where's our so that and that's uh, Daddy's Girl by mm-hmm. Peter Cetera, formerly mm-hmm. from Chicago. And then, do we get one at the end, are there only two? I thought there was a third one somewhere, but
1: those are the two that stick out. In, yeah, those are the two. So,
2: yeah, uh, just really, really well done. It's you know comparable to the to the Rocky uh, montages.
1: Yes, hundred percent.
2: But um, just circling back to two faces that popped out couple, watching it this time. Couple blink and you'll miss some faces. Yeah. So who caught Dave Foley from the kids in the hall? Man, I know he's in
1: it, and oh, I still missed. I missed it. him.
2: He's like, in the grocery store when Tom Selleck goes to the grocery store to get baby food. Uh huh. He asks like a, a stock boy, you know, like where the the baby, you know, what what aisle it's in. And was he, he the stock boy? He's the stock boy. Yeah. Oh
0: shit! I didn't put that together. So there's yeah. your
2: first hint that this is not shot in New York City because he is very much a Canadian uh, comedic actor. And this is ro- just before I think Kids in the Hall took off right but uh where was
1: it It was shot in toronto right Did we Yes, say this that? was shot in yeah.
2: toronto not new york
1: yeah well that good
2: uh, but go ahead who else and then colin quinn yeah yeah Com- another comedian. blink and miss him yeah is it what uh, like at the hot dog stand or something yeah uh, yeah some kind of or interview. the or
0: the newsstand that sells news, yeah yeah and then uh mario joiner who's an 80s comedian who was driving the taxi um oh yeah oh else. right that's right yeah he hosted a. I think his biggest thing was hosting a, the half-hour comedy hour on MTV in the '80s. Um, that's right. Well, that's what it made me thought like maybe they shot some scenes in New York because like Colin Quinn was definitely a New York guy. Colin although, Quinn's for sure New York. But... Although the the trip up to Toronto isn't far, so no. maybe it's just like get these guys as to go up to Toronto. Well, I, I think that, all the same agent.
2: I think some certain exterior shots were New York, and that may have been one of them. Maybe, yeah. But uh, the rest were. It was definitely toronto for new york
0: yeah yeah the skyscraper stuff mm-hmm. yeah i can like there's buildings but that is that new york <laughs> they're not new york buildings <laughs> <laughs> but luckily it was like kind of foggy-ish i think yeah. or it wasn't quite pleasant <laughs> to, to... you um, gotta figure but like so if they only used one set of twins how how many how many minutes of screen time or how many minutes of shooting? Let's 15. say just per baby. So that means they had to rehearse the shit out of these scenes, make sure they were down, had them down. Them okay, flying the babies. Let's do it. And yep. If you get it, you get it. Yep. <laughs> so I mean, there had to be some short days.
2: Well, <laughs> like, and and you think about you know it babies took about, in it, <laughs> and it took about three months to shoot this movie. So. You know, babies oh, wow. grow yeah. pretty quick, so yeah. if you you know, you got to get this stuff quickly. But
0: yeah, I mean, I I get the sense there's the baby has aged <laughs> at certain points.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. There's certain little... shots where that like, just that like a little bit bigger. Baby, but, like yeah. that looks
1: that looks
0: like a reshoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she, I mean, uh, very very cute baby uh, babies, the twins uh, in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. What are Lisa and Michelle Blair. Yeah, Lisa Michelle, just just adorable. Um, but that's what and like this is why, like this is one of those movies that, like, I'm sure back in the '80s too, like, you know, older older demographics, people were going to the movies all the time. But this is like, this is a crowd pleaser for grandparents and parents. Yep, every kids really like. You know, this isn't like, it's just a fun, a fun little movie. So I could I could see more grandparents going out to this one. And more parents like young parents going out to this one or even just any kind of parent really like like uh,
2: i mean ultimately it's it's one of those great going to see this like yeah it's a great feel good movie of the 80s yeah and yeah i loved seeing it with my grandma i don't know i I, lo- I think i was happier seeing it with my grandma
1: than i would have been with my my mom you know
0: sure. yeah,
1: yeah. Sure. um right and that's why i mean yeah it's that's why it's the number one movie of the year, right? I mean, yep. it it made more money than like um Beverly Hills cop. Right? Beverly Hills Cop and uh I mean th- Robocop and all, yeah. you know, all of them like lethal weapon like combined, it's, you know. It's like,
2: on par with you know, with your lethal weapons, your predators, your diehards, your Beverly Hills cops. I mean, it's a massive hit. Uh you know. I think part of what what works to to me and I get that this is not everybody's cup of tea but what works so well is the the charm of the guys. you know their camaraderie and the way they bounce off of each other and clearly like they had a good energy with each other so it just really that really just came off screen and was I think the main attraction to the to the movie well one of the main attractions to the movie
0: yeah absolutely I'm a hundred percent like, like, yeah, that's, this is a unique, this is a unique one. Like, right. Just like you are saying, Brent, it's like, no one talks about this movie. We talked about how it's not really in the consciousness. It's not right reference pop culture wise. It's not a considered, you know, there's just, but it, boy, it was for its time. It was this, just this, this flash in the pan success with known quantities. Like I, I it's fascinating.
1: Well, and the thing is is going back and rewatching it like it's still watchable. You know what yeah. I mean? Like 100%. Yeah. It's entertaining. Like it's you know, I mean it's not something that
0: it's fine but the thing is it's like it's basically fine. Like there's nothing that's too overtly funny or amazing set piece or too clever or like that like it's it's very it's all very good. It's all fine, but it's very middle of the road like without like, but again, the charm of the actors just sell it like hard. Yeah. Like, it, they're just—it's everything's elevated by how good they are, just uh, together and showing their sensitive sides uh, and all that. Like, yeah. it's, right? It's—it's just—it's such a unique thing. Um,
2: well, and what's—you uh, know—just thinking about it, what is another something else that comes out in 1987 that is about men raising children?
1: another hit not a feature no, I, I have no idea that, that what you're or, talking about but i i keep going back to big is just like kind of a movie similar to this one but big big is i mean big stays in the conscious i feel like am i am, am i mistaking in that people like today still know what big is and what it's about people i think big big has
2: more of a in the grand scheme had more of an impact than three men and a baby. Yeah. Yeah. But they're very similar in tone. Right. Sure. Yeah. But uh, you know what I was referring to was was Full House.
0: Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah, TV Land. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Full House comes out this this year. Like it's out a couple months before, probably before this movie premiered. Like in the fall season, I think. Yeah. So Which and it's I it's oddly it's oddly Eerily similar, <laughs> like to this movie, yeah. Where th- three men who, who end up all living together to raise one person's like uh, three daughters uh, together. So it's this, again another fish out of water thing. Where mm-hmm. and the character archetypes are basically the same. <laughs> like, right. Right. Um, and as we're speaking of this, it's uh as of, as of this recording, it it has not been very long, but we had found out that uh, Bob Saget had passed away. Um, last night, and uh, and uh, so that's kind of this it's it's kind of this odd coincidence that inevitably we would talk about Full House, but uh, you know, Bob Saget headlined a monster hit the Full House, like ratings juggernaut, like
1: yeah,
0: uh, back in the TGIF. 80s. <laughs> I mean,
1: everybody was tuning in on it, Friday, it led
2: T- didn't it lead TGIF? Yeah, Probably. yeah, absolutely, it was eight o'clock, Full House, 8.30 Family Matters, and I don't remember what the others were. There
0: was a there was a nascent uh, version of TGIF, I think, with like Mr. Belvedere in there. Oh yeah, like in its last season. But, um, but like Full House became an '80s staple uh, when made made household names out of uh, John Stamos, Bob Saget, Dave Coulier, to a lesser extent. I mean, but still, like, and uh, well, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, Mary Kate Mm -hmm. and Ashley Olsen, yeah, like just who became their own, who became their own economy yeah yeah so you know lives were changed and um so yeah it's, it's very sad to, to know that uh, bob Saget, 65 years old uh, at the time of his passing i it seems very unexpected he was yeah you know, all tour planned and um you know and you know he was a, he's been a comedian since the early 70s late i don't think he did i don't know if, i'm not sure if he was doing anything in the 60s but at least the early 70s and was raunchy <laughs> you would never I, the first time
2: the first time i heard bob Saget's like actual stand-up i was yeah. floored mm-hmm. that the polar opposite of of danny tanner
0: yeah and danny tanner is so cheesy like the way he performed it's just and he and you know he hosted america's funniest home video so he was tv he was america's like tv dad like for a new generation like yeah. for for younger kids for like, like 15 like, years or something Yeah. So, you know, Bob Saget was a a mainstay for, for, for a lot, for an entire generation of, of TV watchers um, comedically, you know, and he he leaned into what, what they wanted, right? Like he leaned into doing the silly voices on those videos. They're so, they're so silly and cheesy, but it did make the videos kind of funnier and Danny Tanner was so cheesy and whatever, but he was a good dad and he had good relationships with his best friends and, uh, on that show so I mean you know it, It's a shame that we lost him um, But uh, You know uh, It's a surprises Come at every turn and so uh, Well wishes to his his Family and mm-hmm. uh, uh, And his and, um, and his fans so yeah. But um, yeah not a surprise that Full House sort of like maybe with the Success of this movie Like Full House kind of Is launched even further, you know. Yeah,
2: I mean, if if you got, you know, you like what you saw with Three Men and a Baby, well, now you can watch it every every Friday. So, yeah. uh so it sort of like jumped on the almost feels like it jumped on the bandwagon and ran with it.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they were developed. I mean, it's it, it, you know, there's lots of parallel thinking out there. I wonder if it was like, did they de- they you know maybe they developed a show because of the French film? You know, it's like right, sort of stealing the concept. And then it just well, it just so happens they're making a making a movie out of it. <laughs> yeah, because like, I think Warner Brothers produced Warner Brothers produced Full House until yes. it's NBC, ABC, so ABC brought, ran it, but it was a Warner Brothers show, I believe. Right, so, that is that's correct. And this is a touchstone p- feature. Um, so it's just two different projects at the same time that just happened yeah. to hit. Anyway, yeah.
2: But uh, yeah, so I, it's just it's amazing how the, the kind of the scope of the movie and how hard it hit for those few years. And then it it disappeared. So while let's talk about how it did at the box office with box office glory. All right. So the film shot in Toronto from April to June of 1987. So it uh, had a pretty short turnaround in post production. It the budget for it was only 11 million dollars. Can you believe that? I would have expected it to be higher. I think at Magnum for that little. Hey, Magnum and Sam Malone, come on.
0: Yeah. Although. And the, goot. and the Goot. Although back then, like I don't think anyone was making. I mean, for you'd have, obviously they made more. Than they would have on a TV salary, like their TV salaries, but maybe they millions, were making millions, millions for a t- even if they were yeah. TV stars, that they're still not making like the biggest money. Well, probably. look, you know, most of the
2: movie takes place, most of it takes place in one set, yeah, with just true. a couple of actors. So that's true. You know, that's it's not an expensive movie production wise.
0: That's a good point. So that's a good point. There's so there's that. probably a, a nice healthy paycheck in there.
2: Yeah. But uh, it opens November 25th, 1987 against a movie we covered here. You can check it out in the archives at Planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and guess which won that battle? Three Men and a Baby. Three Men and a Baby debuts at number one. It has a $10.3 million opening weekend. It ends up with a hundred, $167 million domestic run. A worldwide total of 240 million dollars. That is
0: incredible, like, that's a huge, huge number.
2: That's a monster hit. That is like on par with, I don't know, Return of the Jedi, but like all the biggest hits of the 80s, it's right up there.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's Uh, a big hit today's standards. Like, I mean, that's for a comedy. And and,
2: and when you look at that budget, it's like, okay, with marketing, they were at what 20 million (laughs) dollars, you know, like. That is that's forever money for these guys right there. That's Steve Gutenberg not having to work again.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. but he did to make but, the
2: sequel. <laughs> he sure did. Uh, Before we get there, it ended up number one of 1987 ahead of Fatal Attraction and Beverly Hills Cop Two. Uh, also, just that's you know, huge films, huge. So you could say the Goot beat Eddie Murphy at the box office. He did. He, did. he sure did. You can say it. It would be a fact. Um, there was a sequel, which we referenced, called Three Men and a Little Lady that came out in 1994. Didn't quite have uh, the magic of, of this one. It's a, it's a cute film. It doesn't quite have the charm, though. It. I don't know if it, Leonard Nimoy does not come back to direct. And I'm I was always curious why he didn't and if he had, how it would have turned out. Yeah. because it just was the right mix with the, the four of them uh, at, at the head of it. And without one piece of that, it's like, it's just, something's missing. So it,
0: it, that came out in 1990 though. You said 94.
2: Oh, was it? I thought, was it 90? I thought 90. it was, I thought it was later than that. Okay. No,
0: nah, just a couple of years later.
2: So yeah. So right away they kind of turn pretty much turn right around on it.
0: Yeah. But doesn't
2: yep. Selleck have his, uh, his sort of, Mid 90s hair in that, that kind of, uh, he
1: changed his hairstyle. I haven't seen that movie in a while.
0: <laughs> I couldn't tell you.
2: All right. Well, it's, it's the, it's like the other, he's got like two hairstyles. This would be the other hairstyle. But, um, there's, uh, I always wanted, I always wanted that third part. And they've talked about it. They've, there's been rumors about it for, I don't know, the probably the past 20 years that there's going to be, Three men, three men and a grandbaby. Like where? Or three? Where is I think
1: that? I think they were legit going to make one. It's three men and a bride was was one. That well, they we're, we're past that now. <laughs> talking about it, yeah. It's got to be are grand, at this grand baby.
2: And we're heading towards great grandbaby. If we're not careful, so
1: yeah. Well, they're just going to reboot the series, right? Well, they are, and uh, yeah, here it comes. Starring Zac, Zac, Zac Efron. Efron for, for <laughs> Zac Disney Efron.
0: Plus. Oh, really? It's yeah.
1: supposed to land this year but there's not a whole lot of info- there's not I, I feel like there's not enough information out about it for it to be uh too real at this point
2: yeah but, yeah it's it's on the slate but who, let's see if when promos start coming yeah so you know overall though I I just I have so much love for this film maybe it's because of when I saw it with my grandmother maybe that's that's a piece of it but oh. I, I do watching it again now that I just I fall in line with the, the charm of the three guys, with the sort of whimsical nature of the film, with the soundtrack and the montages that I think when I want to like click my mood up a level, this is a movie I'll throw in.
1: Yeah, it's still one of my favorite ghost stories ever.
2: <laughs> we, we, we didn't finish that. So what was the what was the reason for that? Was there,
1: there a reason there was that, that standee of Ted Danson? Oh, it was just him in a top hat. I don't know. You see it a little later or a little earlier in the movie. Uh, It's like behind a door and you Mm -hmm. can see it much more clear, but it's just kind of like, it's, I don't, I don't know if we ever see it full, full frame, Um, but he's got like a top hat on. I think it looks pretty strange, but I don't know. I think it's just kind of a promo thing that, you know, he took home from, from one of his performances and, and, put it in put it in the room
0: you know because yeah if he's doing commercials he's probably like a brand you know mm-hmm. yeah you you'd put in a grocery store and he's like because who wouldn't want this...
1: a full size standee of themselves you know he's
0: i have i have six in my office alone <laughs> uh a narcissistic actor absolutely would <laughs> yeah ex- exactly right <laughs>
2: David has a long hallway that leads to his office here at Rican Cinema Studios, and it's just standees of himself the whole way. It's like it's like a football yeah, field. It's length. the gauntlet. Yeah, we call it the gauntlet. You're right.
1: What yeah. happens is you walk down that hallway, and then uh, David is actually in there, posed like one of the standees, and he will
0: he'll get you <laughs> if you're not careful. He'll get you. They're all they're all a single frame of of an action. So if you yeah. Quick, if you ran, quickly, if you run quick enough, the strobe like lights going something. like yeah. it. Yeah, it looks like I'm doing something. It's
1: terrifying.
2: The uh, the uh, you know the, the the staff when they're trying to deliver mail in the morning you have a real hard time getting <laughs> to your office. It's yeah. frightening,
0: <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> um.
2: Yeah. So let's let's uh let's rank this on our new reconcinus scale. We're changing it again. Okay. One, What's one, the new rule? One to five. One to
1: what? five. What? One to five. What? Kurt yeah. Russell's or one to five. What, what, why
0: are we doing one to five? How many
1: babies would you would you rank? Oh my this? god!
0: <laughs> one to five babies. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm gonna. I don't know. I can't. I uh, David, you gotta go first. Three there. and <laughs> a half,
0: three and a half and a half babies. Three and a
1: half babies. Okay. That
2: three and a half babies cool out of five. Yes. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it you know what I'm gonna give it four point seven babies out of five out of five so that would be like
0: a nine point
2: four on the old scale <clears throat> because what is it trying to be you know I, I think it achieves what the film is trying to be it's yeah. not it's not professing itself to be more than that it's just sure. something you have fun with that was the intention of the movie so in that respect it it, it is what it is so that's the reason i watch it so for me that's what that's why i give it a a real high ranking there
0: excellent
1: okay cool uh i'm gonna go with just an even three i'm gonna put it right in the middle right in the middle copy that i don't know how i feel about this five point scale we're gonna have to discuss this (laughs) we're gonna have a different scale one and done every episode
0: Soon we're just going to go to the F, the Netflix model of just thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs up. Down. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. When they changed all their ratings to thumbs up, thumbs up. You want to
2: go back to thirteen? We can go back to. I like up.
0: that. It's cha- it's a challenge. Thirteen.
2: All right, then I'm going to give it. I'll give it twelve babies out of thirteen. There you go.
1: Twelve babies out of thirteen. <laughs> well, thirteen is awkward, but I'll say seven. There you go.
2: <laughs> so just over half. You you're, you're going to yeah, say Yeah, I'll, I'll
1: get on the extended on the expanded scale, it, it trends upward. <laughs>
2: uh all right, David, how about you out of 13? What would you oh, say? Uh,
0: well whatever the math works out, something. All right. So there you out go. 13. Yeah.
2: But uh yeah, I I love the film. I feel like I can watch it. It's one of those I can watch like anytime. I can throw on uh, I, I could throw this movie on and, and always have a good time with it and I don't take, like, I see a lot I of course, I see the, the issues that we brought up here uh, it doesn't stop me from enjoying the movie so, uh, you know, I would, I would recommend it, I think it's something to have fun and again, it's a movie that has fallen off the radar, so I think there's a lot of people out there who haven't seen it, um, I don't know if a younger audience now is gonna because it's so 80s if you're not an 80s person you may not love it but uh if you are it's definitely one you it's a must-see
0: yeah 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 i can't imagine a new viewer being like oh this is great i want to keep watching this yeah but you know if you come from this time period it's its part of the part of that it's yeah i don't know
2: but uh yeah it's just it's a good time it's fun and uh maybe at some point we'll have to watch the the sequel and check that out here yeah
0: let's do that down the road be fun
2: yeah all right we'll mark it we got to get more gutenberg uh we should we have steve gutenberg september is that something we can we can back that idea around there's there's plenty to do there we we you know cocoon is one we should look at is he in cocoon too? The return yes so. yeah okay all right there's that one there's short circuit and and of course police academy which huh that's uh that's gonna be a tough one but we should do august like a gutenberg <laughs> summer i don't know <laughs> a, Oh god, a, a guten summer a Guten, the guten uh, summer spectacular yeah we'll figure it out all right we're working on we're batting around ideas but uh all right stay tuned guys we we uh always have a great time with you you two and Uh, Looking forward to what we've got lined up for the rest of February. And I think it's going to be a fun month here. Of course, you can find us on our social media. We're at Reconcinimation Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, check out our archives at Reconcinimation.com. Quick shout-out and thank you to our friends, E.K. Wimmer, for the theme song, and Curtis Moore for the poster. We love those guys. And uh, that's all I got. I've got... uh, I've got a baby. You know, someone just dropped a baby off outside in the hallway. Uh, we, we should probably take a look oh, at that. Yeah. Take care of that. Yeah, go take care of that. But uh, <laughs> I don't
0: know what I'm doing.
2: <laughs> where's <laughs> I need? I need the soundtrack here. Where's Where's Gloria Stefan? Um, <laughs> we'll see you guys next time on Reconcinimation.
0: Take care. Bye now.
2: do do de do Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time to go Do-do-de-yo-do Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time to go do do I hate to leave you But I really must say Good night, sweetheart Good night Well, it's three o'clock In the morning Baby I just can't treat you right. Well I hate to leave you, baby. I don't mean maybe
0: because I love you so do 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 Good night, sweetheart. Well it's time to go Do 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 Good night sweetheart Well it's time to go do 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 I hate to leave you but I really must say Good night, sweetheart. Good, Good. night. Wow.